So praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord. Oh, come on. Praise the Lord, everybody. I'm thankful to be back at CAC. It's been, I think, about a year and a half. And in that time, I managed to find somebody that wants to put up with me for the rest of my life. Uh, my wife, Brooke, and I, we've been married since April 12th. And I think that's about six and a half or seven months. And I think God's got an interesting sense of humor because uh, <laughs> we met at a funeral. And um, I kind of find, find the principle of servanthood and the principle of honoring the man of God active there because my man of God, which funeral it was at that time, uh, my man of God passed away. And um, he always told me for the four years that I served him, he always told me, he says, Joe, you hang around me long enough, I'm gonna introduce you to your spouse. So I hung on around him for a long time because that's a great promise. And, and I ended up meeting my beautiful wife, Brooke, at, uh, at his funeral, for which I'm thankful. Praise God. I appreciate, I honor, I respect. I don't think there are enough words in the dictionary to say how much I look up to your pastor and Sister Showstrand. I love them greatly. They are strategic individuals that are very strategic about revival. They're very passionate about Newark. How do I say it? Newark or Nurk? It's one or the other, right? There we go. So Nurk. Uh, and, I, and I honor them. Aren't you all thankful for your leadership? Now I'm going to expedite because um, last night, Pastor and I, we and, and my wife, we were out and and um, I kind of I kind of pegged myself into figuring out where we're having lunch. So if you know me, you know I preach usually my appetite, and my appetite's building. So I'm gonna speed along. So if we if if you don't mind, let's stand for the reading of the word. <laughs> Isaiah chapter 55 and verse number 10 goes on to say that as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that go out from my mouth. It shall not return unto me empty. My word won't return unto me void, is what the King James says, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, that what he strategically aligned for his word to accomplish. And it shall succeed in the thing which I sent it to succeed. God's word is powerful. Yes. Do you believe that? Amen. So would you say this with me? When God speaks, when God something, happens. something happens. Would you say it one more time? When God speaks, Something happens. Do you believe that, CAC? You may be seated. Thank you so much. Aren't y'all thankful for the great musician team that you have over here? 
Praise God. Thank you so much, Brother David. Some people call the President of the United States the most powerful leader in the world. But more than one former president would disagree with that statement. For ex-presidents have confessed that oftentimes their executive orders weren't always obeyed and that there wasn't much that they could actually do about it. For example, during President Nixon's first term in office, he ordered the removal of some temporary statues out of the National Mall. For these statues, he would say, were, were eyesores, and they had been there since the World War I era, but it took many, many months before the order was actually obeyed. So journalists would go on and, and begin writing about what would be called the imperial presidency, and Nixon would step up and comment to the article calling the whole idea ludicrous, because presidents may speak, Presidents may sign official orders, but that does not guarantee that their orders will come to pass. It does not guarantee that anything will happen as a result of their orders. However true that might be here on earth, I want you to understand this morning, CAC, that the throne of the Almighty in heaven itself operates by a different set of laws. Amen. For when God speaks, yes. something happens. Amen. If God has spoken a promise over your life, if God has spoken a miracle over your life, if God has spoken a healing over your life, if God has spoken provision over your life, which he has, if God has spoken it, in his time it shall come to pass. Amen. You see Psalm chapter 33 and verse number 9 declares it this way. For he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. I want you to understand this morning that there is an irresistible supernatural power in God's Word. There is great power in God's will. There is great power in God's identity. And when God speaks something over your life, it will not return void unto Him. In other words, I came to declare this Sunday morning that there is an atmosphere that is built in the house of God. There is an atmosphere that is built under the authority of the Holy Ghost that if the Word of God goes forward and the Word of God declares freedom, the Word of God has power to accomplish just that. So God's word will not will accomplish his desires and God's will will accomplish his purposes. The King James Version puts it in our primary text as that his word will not return void. In other words, if God has spoken it over your life, it will get the job done. So that removes a whole lot of stress off of you. That removes a whole lot of frustration off of you. That removes a whole lot of weight off of you because you don't have to stress. You don't have to fret because God's word is powerful. God's word is guaranteed by God himself to be effective. So I celebrate God for that. I celebrate that when he spoke salvation over my life, he came down and done something about it. I celebrate that when he spoke healing over my life he did something about it. I, I celebrate that when he is speaking continually over my life there is a daily miracle happening over my life and so much so it is your life also that as God speaks something happens. Do you believe that this morning? So so when you speak God's word 
When you're speaking the word of God, you are quite literally tapping into limitless power. So my assignment this morning, my dear brothers and sisters, is to, is to build your faith and to build your confidence and to build your reliance on the authority of the word of God. For if we do this, there is no circumstance under heaven that God cannot solve. If we truly believe it with everything that's within us, there is no his sickness God cannot heal. There is no trouble God cannot address. If you understand that God wants you to believe in his word, then there is nothing that the apostolic church cannot conquer. There is no situation that the apostolic church of Jesus Christ cannot triumph. So the good news about it is that it's your right. It's your right to walk victoriously. It's your right to walk in freedom. It's your right to walk in the power of the Holy Ghost. For you have been grafted into the authority of the early church, the early apostolic church of Jesus Christ. You have been grafted in the ability to power to see God quite literally do anything. So Jeremiah 23 and verse number 28 says it this way. Let the prophet who has a dream tell the dream. But let him who has my word speak my word faithfully. For what has straw in common with wheat, declares the Lord. Is not my word like fire declares the Lord, and my word like a hammer that breaks rocks in pieces, the word says. I want you to shift the way you're thinking about the word of God this morning, because I want you to think of the word of God like a hammer. A hammer serves two primary purposes. It could either destroy something, or it could be used to build something. It could be used towards negative results, but it could also be used towards positive results. A hammer can drive home a nail, which would bring about a positive result, or you build things that way. But a hammer can also break down obstacles, bringing about an overcoming of negativity. So as you speak God's word, as you speak God's word faithfully, as you speak God's word daily, as you speak God's word over your family, as you speak God's word over your children, you execute God's word diligently saying I'm going to believe you God I'm not going to doubt you God I'm going to walk in your path of righteousness God because all kinds of positive things begin to happen and all types of obstacles begin to get broken down when you just begin to speak the word of God because it ties you in the fact that he is the alpha and the omega the first and the last the, the one that was the one that is and the one that will always be if you use God's word faithfully, God will make sure your provision never goes without. God will make sure that your sickness will never take your life. If you just speak God's word faithfully, his word will break down obstacles. And his word will build things in your life. But too often, because we do live in... In the United States of America, one of the most progressive countries in the planet, and too often we act as a, um, I hate to put it this way, but a, a realist generation. And we, we assess our problems, we assess our sicknesses, we, we assess everything that's facing us today, in this hour, in this minute. We assess it at face value, and not at faith value. 
So too often we allow the words of, of God to become drowned out by the audiences of negativity. Too, too often we allow all those negative things that society is speaking into your ears to actually get into your heart. So, so let me establish this standard this morning that God desires to be your audience. And when God is your audience, the opinions of other people no longer are your sustenance. Because people will praise you when you're on your mountaintop, but they'll leave you when you're in your valley. People will praise you when everything's going good, but God will sustain you when everything is going bad. God will sustain you when the dollars just don't match up. God will sustain you when the doctors are giving you reports. God will sustain you when nothing's going good. So I chose quickly in the, in the, in the beginning of my faith, I, I chose to settle down in my faith that, that I will not allow him who does not control my destiny speak something into my future. I chose to believe and I choose to believe that the word of the king is the word that, that, that directs my steps. It's the word of God that directs my future. It's the word of God that speaks future into my destiny. So I choose to believe in him in whom I belong to. For I know that the Lord my God is my strength. I, I know that the Lord of my God is my strong tower. I, I know the Lord is my defense and my buckler. I know he's my shield protecting me from all the fiery darts of the enemy. And I no, when the enemy comes against me, God's going to form a standard against him. I, I know that when the enemy seeks to attack you, I'm not going to let the enemy dictate my future. So I choose, and I've chosen to judge every situation at faith value. It's uncertain. You often don't know the next step you're taking, but God's not going to let you misstep. God's not going to let you take the wrong step. I choose to judge my situations at faith value. For God is more than able to do that which he has set forward to do in your life. So would you say that with me? Faith value. Faith value. Go on, would you tap your neighbor a little bit and tell him faith value. faith value. Because when you can't make it, you don't fake it. Say that with me. When, when you can't make it, you, you don't fake it. You faith it. So when you can't make it, just learn to faith it. Because when you begin to faith your situation, when you begin to faith every negative word that's coming into your life, when you just begin to faith everything the enemy is sending against you, when you just begin to faith what the enemy has sought for your life, God begins to show up and says, that's my child. And I'm going to protect my child. I'm going to favor my child. I'm going to bless my child. I'm going to bless everything that I have spoken over their life. I'm going to bless their health. I'm going to bless their wealth. I'm, I'm going to bless their families. I'm going to bless their children. I'm going to bless their jobs because you are God's child. Amen? Amen? So when you consider the acts of God recorded in Genesis chapter 1, you cannot help but bow in reverent worship because it's in Genesis chapter 1 that God begins to reveal his creative power. God begins to reveal his creative wisdom that carries absolute and all authority. Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 1 puts it like this, that in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. It is here that you are introduced before actual creation was made and before you began to breathe your breath. It was here that you were introduced to a dateless past that only God existed in. For in Genesis you are introduced by declaration to the majesty of God. 
It is in Genesis you are introduced to the raw authority of God's word. That if he spoke, something was going and must happen at the result of God's word. So I said that to say that there is a reason that the God that you serve is a jealous God. He's not jealous because he is jealous in essence. He is, God is jealous towards you because God knows in reality who he is to you. God is jealous because he knows you're, he's your healer. God is, God is jealous because he knows he's your savior. God, God is jealous because when something else lesser than his authority, when something else lesser than his power tries to get in his place, he tries to spring up and he starts to spring up and says, that's my place. No one's going to take my place. Let me break it down a little bit more. Joe is a jealous Joe regarding his wife, Brooke. I am not jealous by nature, but if you just try and sneak in there and take my place, then you'll awaken parts of me I never knew I had. Why? Because I know who I am to her. I know the place that I have in her life. And if anybody else tries to, to come into my place, then I become a jealous Joe because nobody is going to do what I promised I was going to do for her. Nobody is going to protect her the way I promised I was going to protect her. Nobody is going to provide for her the way that I promised I was going to provide for her. Is no man going to step in there and take care of her the way I promised I was going to take care of her? So when somebody tries to step into my place, I become a jealous Joe. Amen. And so is your God. Because he promised to be your healer. He promised to be your way maker. He promised to love you better than any temporary, temper, any temporary passion of this world. So when somebody or something tries to take God's place in your life, then God starts to show himself as a jealous God. So I don't know about you this morning, CAC, but, but I choose to submit myself to the God who has proven to be the one with the authority. I choose to submit myself to the one that has proven to be my healer. I choose to submit myself to the one that has proven to be my way maker because quite literally there is nobody like your God. He is a jealous God because he has the right to be a jealous God. He is a jealous God because he stepped in when nobody else would choose to step in on your behalf. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 5 puts it like this. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thine soul, and with all thy might. Why? Because he did for you what nobody else was going to do for you. He saved you when nobody else wanted to save you. He provided for you when nobody else wanted to extend a hand and provide for you. That is why God has the right so Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 1, we'll go back to that. That in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. 32 times in this chapter the creative God is called Elohim. Elohim is a Hebrew word that emphasizes God's majesty. Elohim is a Hebrew word that emphasizes God's power. Elohim is a plural noun that, that is consistently used in connection with singular verbs and, and adjectives. In other words, every single time that this form of language is used, it is a name that is tied in connection with another title. 
You with me? Such as my name is Joseph, but my title is husband. My title is also a son. My title is also a brother. But I am one in the same because my name is Joseph. So as long as I shall live, there is no separation in the fact that my name is Joseph. And there is no separation in the fact that my name is husband or brother or son. There is no separation for as long as I live. You are created in God's image. So you have similar attributes to the God which created you. And, but, but he is so much more. Because you are limited to so many roles that you can pick up. You are limited to so many roles that you can operate in. But God is not. God is not limited. For your God is able to be a counselor. Yet at the very same time he's able to be a comforter. God is able to be a healer, yet at the very same time, he's able to be a mender. God is able to be a provider, yet at the very same time, he is more than capable of being your help in a time of need. Yes, his name is Elohim, his, 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 his identity is Elohim, but more importantly, you know him as Jesus, because he is many in title, but he takes prince, and, and he takes chief authority, and, and chief pleasure in being your savior, because he's much more than just a healer he's much more than a comforter he's much more than a mender he's much more than a provider he's much more than a help he is your savior so when you need him you don't call on Elohim you don't call on a savior you don't call on a savior you don't call on a healer all you call on is Jesus it's all you call on because your father God he is a father in creation but then he takes on that role as a son in redemption. Then he finishes out the whole work and he takes on the role as the spirit in regeneration. So when we read Deuteronomy 6 and verse number 4 and, and verse number 5, you begin to read it like this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, he is one Lord. Huh? But that one Lord, which is Jesus, you know him as your healer. You know him as your savior. You know him as your way maker. You know him as your provider. You know him as your help in a time of need need you know him so because of all of that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul and with all your might because he's able to take multiple roles in your life at the same time right. Amen. so I want to establish by declaration that not only is your God a jealous God in creation but your God is a singular God in identity when you get to heaven you will not witness a plurality of persons when it comes to God. For he is, he is many titles, but he is one Lord. Yes. You caught that with me? Right. He's many titles, but he is one Lord. He takes seat in my life as a healer. He takes seat in my life as a way maker. He takes seat in my life as a counselor. But chiefly, he takes seat in my life as Jesus. So when I need him to occupy a role in my life, I don't just open up the box that's that limited box of a, of a way maker. I, I don't just open up the box of a limited box of a healer. I don't just open up a limited box of a provider. I go to the unlimited box, which is his name, Jesus. Because the minute I just open up that box of Jesus over my life, he's more than able to accomplish anything that I need that God to accomplish over my life. And truthfully, you don't want to serve a God that you could limit. You don't want to serve 
serve a God that you can just pack away in a box. You, you don't want to serve a God that you're able to just say, nah, I just want you to be a healer this time. You don't want to serve that kind of God because what happens if the enemy sends a circumstance over your life that you're not capable of finding in that box? So when you approach your God, you don't want to approach a limited box that you created that looks pretty, that looks manufactured, that, that looks mannequin. You don't want to go to that box. You want to go to the box that has free reign over your life to tell you how to live. You, you want to go to that, God, that box that has free reign over your life to be a way maker at the same time a comforter, at the same time a healer, at the same time. Because when God speaks, when Jesus speaks, something happens. Yes. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 9 goes on to say it like this. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him which is the head of all principality and power. You're complete in, in him. For in Jesus the fullness of everything. <laughs> you caught that? Healer, waymaker, savior, provider. It's the fullness. It's, you get him when you get Jesus. Amen. Because I wish I could describe to you just how big he is, but, but the God you serve, he's truthfully indescribable. I wish I could fully lay it out in such a way that you can comprehend just how big he is, but, but you can't comprehend the majesty of his glory. I wish I, could, I wish I could tell you one day you could overcome him, but, but, but I really don't want to tell you that because, because he's invincible. Nobody can beat him. But I wish I could also tell you, you could try to resist him. But the Bible tells us that he's irresistible. You can't stay away from your God. For if he calls you, he's an expert fisherman. He's going to fish you in, kicking or screaming. So just submit to his will. For he is Jesus. His promises are sure. His mercy is everlasting. His love, it never changes. You could go to the temporary fashions of this world. You could go to a job. You could go to a doctor. You could go to a lawyer. You can go to a counselor. You can go to a psychiatrist. You can go to anybody finding love and seeking love. But nobody can love you like your God can love you. Nobody can provide for you like your God can provide for you. And so I praise him as Psalm 150 says, I, I praise him according to his excellent greatness because he has been good to me, CAC. When I get to thinking just about the goodness of the Lord and when I just get to thinking about how far God has brought me at 28 years old, I can't fully comprehend it and I can't fully uh, fathom it. But all I do is lift my hands and say, God, I couldn't have done this without you. I couldn't have come this far without you. I wouldn't have survived if it wasn't for you. Right. Amen? Amen? I wonder if we could stand. I'm going to come to a close. I want you to understand something. God's word, it brings order out of chaos. Because in Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 1, God, God established creation by addressing chaotic darkness. Meaning, when God got ready to do something beautiful in this planet, he first had to go to the darkest situation he could find, void. Chaos. Nothing. And he had to say, in this nothing, I'm going to create something. In this nothing, I'm going to show the church that no matter how dark a situation gets, no matter how chaotic a situation gets, I could do something beautiful in those situations. So ultimately, God, 
chooses to pivot your faith right now. And he chooses to ask you, what are you going to choose to believe? Are you going to choose to believe the words of the enemy? And are you going to choose to believe the words of negativity? Are you going to choose to believe the words of the individuals that do not control your destiny? Or are you going to look at the creative darkness? Or the, the, the chaotic darkness? And are you going to say, God, I'm going to exercise my faith right now. And I'm going to believe that you are able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that I could hope for or imagine because your plans for me are much greater than my plans for me. Your thoughts for me are much greater than my thoughts for me. Because when God speaks over your life, it's by divine law that something must always happen. So I want you to understand this morning, CAC, God is jealous. God is singular. But here's one of the more specific ones. God is separated. And because of God's separation, he asks you in your faith to be separated as well. <laughs> and I'm not talking about dress, which that's accurate. I'm not talking about what we do, and that's accurate. I'm not, I'm not talking, I'm talking about your faith. Because God wants you to be separated in your faith, saying, I'm going to choose to believe the positive reports of the Lord. I'm going to choose to believe the fruitful reports of the Lord. I'm going to choose to believe that cancer can get healed. I'm going to choose to believe that provision can come out of the blue. I'm going to choose to believe that my family will come back to the Lord. I'm going to choose to believe that God's going to bring about a revival in Newark that has never been one like it before. I'm going to choose to believe that God is going to have a very fruitful future for me. Because what God starts, even though it's small, it's not going to remain small. Because not only is God an expert fisherman, but God is also an expert businessman. Meaning, if he starts an investment in your life, it's going to grow. <laughs> if, if he starts an investment in your future, in your career, in your church, in your city, in this nation, if God starts an investment, it's going to eventually come to full maturity in God. Amen? So it's all about pivoting your faith. It's all about you saying, I'm going to separate myself from the voices of negativity and I'm going to join myself with the people of faith that also believe like I believe that God is able to do what I can't do in my own authority. Because what you hear eventually will come in here. And what's in here will eventually dictate your steps. So if you guard this, you're guarding this. And if you guard this, you're guarding your steps. So if you believe faithful words, if you believe the preaching of the pastor, if, if you believe the, the, the words of the Bible, if, if you believe what God has spoken over your life, then your heart is just going to start rejoicing. And your heart's going to say, I believe that God can do it. I believe that God can heal. I believe that God can provide. I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. So... Who's ready for a group activity? <laughs> because faith is better together. Amen? Amen. Faith is better together. Amen. For one can put a thousand to flight. Yes. But two can put ten thousand to flight. The multiplication just don't make sense. But in God's economy, it makes sense. Because things just get bigger in the presence of God. So I wonder, can you partner with a, 
with somebody that's, that's not your spouse? Can you partner in hands with somebody that's not your spouse for just one second? And I'm going to give us further instruction right now. Because it's very easy to partner with your spouse because they know what you're going through. They know what your heart is yearning for. They, they know what you're dealing with. But we're going to believe in the power of the church right now. That the most unlikely person is going to speak a word of faith over you and things are just going to start breaking. We're going to believe that the most, most that, that, that what some individuals might feel, I don't have enough faith, but if I just lay my hands on a brother and just believe that, that God can do, then God will do. So you're ready? Because I remember when I was in school, I didn't like group activities. Because I remember I used to be arrogant enough and snarky enough to, to actually think that I could do it by myself. But then I realized the power of teamwork. I realize that if I just let someone else carry the load with me, the load gets much, much lighter. Because there are couples under the sound of my voice that have been carrying the load for so long by yourself. And you're seeing no result come. You're seeing no, no walls break. But right now we're about to partner with people that have no vested interest in your situation. But they just believe that God can do it. So before we open up this altar, could you look at that neighbor, that partner of yours? And, and can you just ask him, is there anything they need God to do in their life? Now, if, you're, if your neighbor said, yeah, I need God to heal. Yeah, I need God to save. Yeah, I need God to... If your neighbor said, yes, I need God to do something, on behalf of your neighbor, would you lift their hand? You see, I took the insecurity out of it. I took the singleness out of it. Because right here, you're looking at a bunch of people under the sound of my voice that need God to do miracle signs and wonders. You're looking at a bunch of people under the sound of my voice that need God to heal, to save, to make a way. You're looking at a bunch of people under the sound of my voice that need God to provide. So for just a minute, could you, could you get audacious in your faith? Grab your neighbor by the hand and bring him up to this altar and say, I'm going to speak faith over your life. I'm going to speak a future over your life. I'm going to speak blessings over your life. I'm going to speak God's authority over your life. I'm going to speak what God wants over your life. Go on.